The swap without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And MASH Minute is intended for mature audiences. Welcome to MASH Minute, the night, the, uh, I messed it up because I'm so excited. Restart. Put on your headphones, listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, MASH Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tooney, and guest will make three, goddamn army, MASH Minute. Welcome to MASH Minute, a movies by minute podcast that analyzes the Robert Altman film, MASH, one toxic masculinity shock syndrome minute at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. <laughs> I'm Megan Coleman. You know why I was so excited for that. And we have a special guest in our studio today. We're thrilled to welcome that surgeon from Crabapple Cove, Maine. No, no, not that one. Please welcome Captain Jonathan S. Tuttle to MASH Minute. Hi, Tuttle. Tuttle stepped in last minute for us to fill in because Jeff was called away. We recorded with Jeff our last episodes, and we really tried to get in minute 31, and schedules just weren't fitting, and Captain Tuttle is such a stand-up guy that he said, I can be on for a minute and talk about this fight scene, so we're thrilled to have him with us today. We're so excited. So we are all three of us here to talk about minute 31, which begins with Henry asking Volmer to take care of some used surgical masks. And it ends with the camp loudspeaker making an announcement involving urine. So, so, so mashy at this point, right? Just so... This is a very mash minute. <laughs> <laughs> this also might be the saddest Volmer minute. Yeah, that's true. Like, just, like, shoves all those masks in his hand. It's like, here, take care of these. It's sad. I like Colonel Blake as a character, but I don't know that I like him as a person. Does that make sense in the movie? No, that makes sense. That okay. makes sense. Okay, that makes me feel a little less crazy. And yeah, he just, yeah, the, oh, it's only you, Hudson, Judson thing really bugged me. And now here, he just, like, Volmer is not even a person to him. It's just like, oh, take these. He's kind of like a secretary in that regard. I know, and Volmer tries the most out of anyone. Like, of all the people in this camp, Volmer is the one that tries. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's so sad. He and Hotlip should be, uh, he and Houlihan should be friends. <gasps> yeah, I mean, they get along pretty well. They should get, like, they should be friends, and that way, he, like... She could be his mentor. Oh. We'll say, we're gonna see, like, Volmer plays poker. He's not completely a stick in the mud. He's just oh, no. the most sticky in the mud. <laughs> and then we get to a very polite start of a fight scene. It's like the most polite start ever. Yeah. Oh, you finished for the day? Yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> Chopper's so considerate, making sure Burns has time to sleep off. Exactly. He's, not on, he's <laughs> not on duty, so he's not going to be making more work for himself or anyone exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's such a considerate in that regard. I adore when Blake is like, what happened? I hit him. He's an ignoramus, that knucklehead. Now, first of all, that is a beautiful insult, but I also love that it is a beautiful insult in a movie that is touted as the first to use the F word. Oh, like really? So it's kind of, but not really the first. We'll talk about it more when we actually get get to it. Yeah. 
movies had had it, obviously, but people argue, like, well, this was the first studio... This was the first not, you know, this was the first big release, just a regular movie in the theaters. Oh, the F word. And so I just love that this movie has that reputation, whether it's true or not. And it's like, he's an ignoramus. He's an ignoramus. That knucklehead. (laughs) I wrote it out. It made me real happy. And my other thing that I love in this scene is that Trapper's hand is killing him. (laughs) Like he almost falls over himself. Yeah. (laughs) He is in pain from punching Burns. And I just... I love realistic fight scenes. I don't know if you... You saw Bridget Jones's Diary, right? Years ago, but yes. Okay. The first one, right? Yeah, they are. I love... They do a rematch. Um, The fight between Darcy and whatever Hugh Jackman's... Ca- or Hugh Jackman. Oh, God. I wish Hugh Jackman was that. Whatever that would have been hilarious. Whatever Grant's character Cute is, oh, yeah. they fight. And they say in the commentary, like... I think it was in the second one. They said, like, we really wanted the fight scene to be, like, what two middle-aged men fighting would look like. But it's always <laughs> stuck in my head because even before I heard the actor say that, uh, whatever, we're still friends. I watched that with my college boyfriend, and he cracked up at that scene. He loved them fighting in the street when they're kind of, like, fainting at each other and, like, trying to go after each other, but neither of them actually wants to connect. He thought it was hysterical. And he was like, yeah, that's what it would actually look like. And so it's always stuck in my head. It's just a really great, I love it when someone gets a really good punch and they're like, oh my God, that hurt. (laughs) It's Daniel Cleaver. Cleaver! Oh my God. Daniel Cleaver. I could take or leave his character completely. Although I do use all the time the line when she's first taught, like Bridget Jones' diary has voiceover. And so she's kind of, like, introducing the characters. She goes, Daniel Cleaver, who I, like, have a crush on. And she goes, but who, I suspect, for reasons, does not feel the same way about me. And then it cuts to her drunkenly singing karaoke with, like, tinsel on her head at a Christmas <laughs> party. Right. Yeah. And so anytime I would like a guy and it's like, but who, for reasons, I suspect, does not feel the same about me. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. Yeah. It's just like, ah... It's not going to get my hopes up there. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. I I know a lot of people aren't into rom-coms, but I think Bridget Jones's Diary is a well-done one. It's not too bad. I still like the book better, but that's just me, maybe. Yeah, well, and I saw the movie first. Oh, so I read the books first. Seeing the movie is what got me to read the books. So I think I already had it, like, in my head that it was Well, and in the, in the book, they always do the, like, she does V dot for very, and I just mm-hmm. always love that. Like, I do mm-hmm. that now, like, I copy that. Yep, V dot, <sighs> which is only a problem because I work in a law firm. <laughs> oh, that could be a... Yep, yep. whatever. Speaking of England, are we running a boarding school? (laughs) Harry is so like. But I thought it was interesting. This minute really shows that even Henry doesn't like Burns. Yeah, no, he's like, I'm over it. He says, you know, what am I running an English boarding school? In response to Burns basically attempting to recover some dignity in a very pompous Burnsian way, but oh yeah, like let's just settle. It's gonna be fine. Ah, settle this like men. Settle it in front of a box of Tampax, you know. Also, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> also, how did Burns think the rematch was going to go? Because he's like, oh, he never would have hit me if I had my guard up. Really? Really? Because really? I... I'm pretty sure he would have hit you. Maybe you really? would have, like, been able to kind of block it so you didn't literally get punched in the face, but you were going to get hit. Yeah. 
And if you take this outside, what... Well, then everyone will see what it, What does but... this look like? <laughs> I mean, word's gonna spread quick anyway, but... <laughs> there is no respect for Burns and his dignity and his attempt to recover some of it. And I think it's really telling that even Henry knows, and we're gonna see, Henry's not no. stupid. He's no. bumbling, and he says silly things sometimes, but he's not stupid. It's a crucial difference that I think gets forgotten sometimes. That's true. No, he know. yeah... Well, he has radar, too. Yeah. Radar's a big help. So, as you mentioned, this fight takes place in a storeroom, right outside of the post-op, right outside of the OR. You know, in that, in can that we call general... it the hospital building? And the TV show yeah, is always yeah, called the OR, but this feels more like a big building than the yeah, show just, does. Yeah, no, definitely. So, my joke about toxic masculinity and toxic shock syndrome was inspired by the setting for this scene, because... In this minute, Trapper John punches the crapola out of Frank Burns' face and knocks him backwards into the biggest box label Tampax I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. <laughs> you clearly never worked at a Walmart, but sure. I did not, and oh baby. <laughs> so I got to do a little research, and I was very intrigued. This is like a little feminism minute here. The toxic masculinity is men thinking they can punch each other and that makes everything better. But, okay, tampons, as we know them, were invented in 1929. Tampax was founded seven years later in 1936 when Gertrude Tenderich, Tenderich, T-E-N-D-E-R-I-C-H, bought the patent and founded Tampax, a combination of, I don't remember, and pack. <laughs> it was a female founded company. A, a woman bought the patent and founded Tampax and made it like the empire that it became. Ta-da! That's still going strong. I mean, obviously, it has more competition now than it did back in the late 30s. And I have to admit, I'm very sad. I'm sorry. Playtex for life. But I was very happy that it was a woman that founded it. They have a lovely, like, history timeline on their website that was very useful. But I think it might have ruined my joke reading the history of Tampax. Oh. So the first however many times I watched this, I never noticed. He fell into some boxes. I never noticed what was on the box. And then when you start paying attention, it very blatantly says Tampax in giant letters on multiple sides. Like, we are supposed to believe that he is being. And I was like, oh my god, Frank Burns gets punched into a box of tampons. How symbolic of his manhood. (laughs) But... Those could be medical bandages. Really? Do they also make, or did they make um, so they definitely medical supplies? did in World War II, and there wasn't anything that said they ever stopped. And if you notice, under the Tampax, it has the little cross. Right. So in 1941, Tampax began producing cotton bandages and surgical dressings for the U.S. military. And we've mentioned before how much of, Kore- how much of the Korean police action was, you know, surplus World War II leftovers. Right. So it could be surgical dressings, Aww. not tampons. But it's not definite. Like, it's not like they said... I think there is, there's other no, writing on true. the box, but there's no there's way to plenty, make it out. There's plenty of nurses, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Someone on this I know, I wish I tampons. could. There are tampons here, Someone people. has tampons. <laughs> there are women menstruating, and they need products, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an important thing. <laughs> oh, I wish I could blow it up. Oh. 
I know. And if you bl- the, by the time you blow it up to being even close to being able to read it, it's way too blurry. Yeah, I tried a few blurry. different ways, and it was just like, okay, if we have any eagle-eyed viewers, let us know. But I don't think you can make it out. So I don't think. But the thing is, this was during World War II. I don't know that they were still doing it. I don't know that they sent surgical dressings to mashes during the Korean War. It's just, it's a possibility that I didn't know existed until I started researching the history of tampons. By the way, if you want to look this up, research the history of tampons, not the history of tampons. It's a lot less disgusting. Good to know. People are disgusting and always happen. So, that's the tampons. And then we have the moral of this minute, which is that Trapper and Houlihan will never be friends. They'll never be friends. It's not meant to be. This is her introduction to him. It's not a great look. It's really not. She's just like, what? Like, what kind of military craziness is going on in here? They almost kind of zoom in on her face. I actually did zoom in on her face a little bit. And it is blurry, but it's just, it's great. Especially because Blake's also kind of, he doesn't have it as much as she does, but he has this like, what? It it makes sense though because (laughs) Blake is surprised to stumble across two officer, two surgeons, like both reeling in pain, but he's not surprised that it happened. Does that make sense? Like he's surprised in the moment, but nothing about the situation is shocking to him. Whereas to her, it's just like, I didn't even know this was a possibility. (laughs) Exactly. I've been in this camp less than, like, an hour and already. Yeah. <laughs> already, I want to go home. She got off the helicopter, <laughs> dropped her stuff off at her tent, got a tour, and this is it. Just like, why? I do love her little fussiness with her purse. I mean, Margaret Houlihan's purse is, like, a character as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's been dropped on the ground and retrieved, and now it's got, like, a little flourish, like, I should hope not. It just really emphasizes the attitude that she's throwing down. <laughs> it's funny because we all know Burns and Houlihan are going to fall for each other. They're, they're going to fall for each other. And it is funny to me that this is the first time she's seen either of them. <laughs> yeah. Still works out well for Frank, though, so it's okay, I guess. It right? does. I In guess that department. Works out. Uh, you know what? I'm the one. I'm the one supporting toxic masculinity with that because there's uh, absolutely yeah. no reason a woman can't be sexually attracted to a man who she met after he got punched into a box of tampons in the face. In the face. Yeah. The I think it's the Trapper being like, I hit him. Like I want this known. I want this on the record that she is just like she can't get over. If it, if they had stumbled onto them like brawling on the floor, I think she would have been less like offended. Whereas here, he's just like, I punched a man and I'm proud of it. And she's like, what the heck is wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. That's not what prone people do. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh, Oh, Margaret, you're at the mash unit now. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to be a good time. Yeah. Spoiler. Nope. (laughs) You just wait, sweetie. Oh, no. (sighs) I do love it. Oh, come off it. Volmer, like, Again, poor Volmer. Like the minute begins and ends with said <laughs> Volmer. I know it's like go, go arrest him. Like, oh, like okay, I guess. I th- it's just because Volmer's there. Like that's a job yeah. for the MPs. That's not a job for him. My poor little Wade. I know, and then he kind of awkwardly takes the mask that he was given earlier, kind of like shoves him in his pocket. <laughs> like, yeah, you're coming with me. Oh. <laughs> And he's shorter than Elliot Coulson. Yeah, I know. 
should look it up. I haven't looked up heights in a while. Oh. I mean, Captain Tuttle is pretty tall, but uh, he, I mean, he not is. like noticeably the way Tom Taylor was, and I made a big deal out of I it. Mean, I mean, if I recall, Tuttle was maybe like 6'2". He's 6'2". Okay, so he's Hawkeye. I, I, that makes sense. He's the same height as Hawkeye. Uh, all right, let's see. Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould is 6'3". David Arkin. Oh, God, I have to say was. That's sad. David Arkin doesn't have a height oh. under his personal details. IMDb has oh. failed me. Boo. No. Oh, Dear I'm sorry. IMDb. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Tuttle tells me he's 6'4". Wow. I knew he's tall, but I didn't realize he's that tall. I'm sorry. Good Tuttle. on you, Tuttle. I'm sorry, Tuttle. We will correct the record. Don't worry. Well, Robert Duvall is 5'9 and a half. Okay. So Elliot Gould's got some good height on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I'm just mentioning it because if Tuttle makes it out to Portland this August, when is this airing? Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes, this August, later this month when this is coming out, totally. Uh, no, there's going to be a meetup for Movies by Minutes podcasters and people listen to them and people who like them and people who like to have a good time and be crazy together. And if he comes out, there's a picture from one, uh, an earlier meetup, and the person who posted it said, I am six feet tall, and he's the shortest one in the picture. <laughs> and there's like 10 people in the picture. So Tuttle is amongst friends with these tall Movies by Minute podcaster dudes, so... Yeah, that's that's hilarious. I didn't realize you were taller than than Trapper John. No wonder Margaret liked you. I'm trying to think if there's anything else specifically for this minute. I know, Tuttle, you said we covered all your points. How about you, Megan? Oh, I was just going to say, I also think it's funny that he gets, Frank, I should say, gets knocked mm-hmm. into the Tampax bandages slash tampons, whatever they are. Cotton products. Cotton products. <laughs> Cotton absorbent products, uh, as if like somehow that's supposed to help break his fall. Like he's so fragile. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. I just like thought it looked like cooler. That. I mean, it looks cooler. Don't get me wrong, but you know, mm-hmm. he's just you know, because Frank. I mean, he's kind of a lack of a better word, pussy compared to. <laughs> compared Pussies are strong. And They're strong. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, I will tell same? you that. Uh, yeah, say, I mean, they are, but he's a pussy in the negative sense of the word, I guess. He's a weak pussy. The pejorative pussy. He's the pejorative pussy. He's not done his Kegels, damn it. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Um, yes. So yes, but and like he doesn't fit in. It's just sort of like, you know, and he seems to have more of an ego issue in a different way hmm. than the other swamp mates, even compared to Blake a little bit. But it was probably more That's just true. for... Because it looked cool and it was funny. Or... And it also makes sense from a production point of view of you want to show him falling dramatically. You don't want him actually hitting a wall. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I know we said Robert Duvall wasn't Robert Duvall yet, but you still don't want to like slam your actor into some plywood. Right. You don't want to. When you can just have him mug. fall over some, I'm assuming actually empty boxes that will like oh, perfectly yeah. crush beneath his body weight and cushion him to the floor. <laughs> Yeah, and won't cause, like, bruising, and yeah. Exactly. It's a pretty good fake punch. I rewatched it a few times, and... Yo, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, there aren't any stories about Elliot Gould accidentally <laughs> actually punching Duval, so... <laughs> right away. I'm, I'm going on it's fake. But... I hate Gould. He <laughs> punched it's, it's me on that well mess. 
Yeah, I feel like if that had happened, we would have heard that story We would have heard that already, point. yeah. I don't know what his problem was. It's a pretty good fake punch, and I think it helps that it's, like, that's it. That's the fight. That punch and stumbling backwards into the box. Right, that's right, all they're... they had to coordinate. That's all they had to get right. They did have to time it so that Blake and Houlihan are walking by at, like, the exact right moment. But that's, but that's it. it. That's it. And I'm assuming they just had someone with their hand on the other side of that plywood, like, to point at oh, yeah. Roger Bowen and uh, Sally Kellerman, like, go that way. <laughs> So yeah, it plays well. And like I said, I love Gould's little like spin, like almost falls to his knees and just <laughs> yeah, manages exactly. to stay up. <laughs> Maybe that's why I think the fake punch works so well, because he sells it, the aftermath. Oh yeah, he's not just sort of there like, oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah you buff, can tell. But he's not that buff, so like... <laughs> Well, and even, I hate in movies when like, oh, the tough action figure punches a guy, so he has no reaction, and I'm like... He'd still have a reaction. Like, you still have to, like, your arm is going to move as it impacts. Like, it's going to recoil a little. You can't help that. I don't care, like, how many muscles you have. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. No, it's a... He sells it well. It's a good minute. It's a very cathartic minute for you, I know. Yes, because Frank is my favorite person to hate. Even if I was kind of defending him for a second there. Oh, it's okay. We can have complicated feelings. I mean, I think we, have, like we the haven't whole even gotten to the TV show. And how many times have we defended Larry Linville for being an amazing actor? So. Oh, I know. Oh. He's so good. He's so good. Still my favorite favorite person to hate, right? Oh, yeah. Goodness. And for all that I have learned about Robert Duvall, about how maybe we shouldn't go to political fundraisers together. Because we wouldn't be going to the same one. You would like, not be He's going still to the a very one. good actor. Exactly. Like, that, that hasn't changed. So, yeah, this is just a really well-acted minute by everyone. I mean, even Volmer's awkwardness fits in perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I assume Trapper John is going to get, like, kicked out of the army now. What a hardship for him because uh, he's being confined to quarters. and Can't operate, can't do nothing. I assume they would still... Yeah, he probably could still operate. Well, he's just coming off a shift. That's true. Probably. Oh, oh, he might not be. He might not be. I mean, we assume Frank is because, you know. Yeah, and he he's... specifically asked Frank, like, oh, you're done for the day? So right. we know that much. But Trapper John wasn't in the post-op when he came in. But who knows? Who knows? We don't know what their rounds look like. He could be done. He might not be. It's all good. It's all good. He's going, he's going away at the moment anyway, regardless. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, that's the thing. He won't let Volmer escort him, but he does go. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, Trapper John is such a fascinating character because he's so anti-authority, but he's not actually... He goes enough with it to, like, not cause more mayhem, I guess. Yeah. It's weird to say he's not rocking the boat because he just punched a major. <laughs> exactly. So, obviously, he is. He's causing major headaches for Colonel Blake, probably on the daily, but... Yeah. He kind of knows where that line is. It's funny because I always think of him like he and Hawkeye are the line crossers. They are. Like, Duke wouldn't get into trouble other than boozing. Left to his own devices. Maybe some womanizing. Yeah, he'd drink too much and he'd be womanizing. He he would definitely be a womanizer and he would definitely be drinking too much, but like (laughs) the normal shenanigans, like everyone else is getting up to. I mean, hell, we pointed out Volmer's playing poker. It's not like this is a, you know, dry. (laughs) 
religious community. <laughs> but I think Duke left to his own devices wouldn't get into nearly as much trouble as he does being friends with Hawkeye. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. And Hawkeye and Trapper are just two peas in a pod. Oh, yeah, they get along way too well. But that's how But I'm like so it. used to thinking of Hawkeye as being the ideas man, but Trapper being the one who always pushes it. And in this movie, he really doesn't. It's a good thing you're paying attention. Well, but you in the what? TV uh- show, <laughs> so much of it is him, like, just, like, unfortunately. I keep wanting to call him John Wayne, and that's not his name. Wayne Rogers. Wayne Rogers, thank you. You're welcome. A lot of it is, unfortunately, that (laughs) Trapper just kind of following along with Hawkeye. I think because Hawkeye was the ideas man. Yeah, and I feel like even the few times Trapper had an idea, then Hawkeye was the one who kind of flushed it out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But in the book, Trapper John dangles (laughs) from across from a helicopter. Oh, yes. Yes, so... And so uh, I can't not imagine him as... So, listeners, when we have said that the book is really anti-religion, we, we really weren't joking. Sibit, the flying cross is kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, like, taking autographs and taking pictures as Jesus yeah. is... Uh... Well, the fact that he had to get so blasted to get on the helicopter. That's like, true. they say, like, he's so drunk, they're worried he's, like, passed out up there. So it's a have to check on drunk him. trapper playing Jesus... Which you may or may not find offensive. On the cross. On the cross. And then what does he get off the cross? And then, like. Yeah. When they drive around to the different camps, oh, that's they set up the cross around. on the that's back right. of, like, a Jeep. That's and he's right. on it there. And then he gets down and signs autographed p- pictures. But the flying cross is, like, the grand finale of yeah. that story. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Wow. We should watch The Last Temptation of Christ as a spinoff from this movie. <laughs> I've never seen it, so... Oh, I, I don't think I have either. From what I've heard, I'm real tempted. <laughs> Are you going to yeah. like, punch things? No, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe not no. punch things. No, I'm really curious because what I've always heard is that the part that people always say is so irreligious, I think might be the best word, uh-huh. is that he's on the cross and he's imagining what would have happened if he'd just been a normal guy and got married and had kids. And so, from what I've read, everyone in the 70s who was super Catholic flipped their wigs because you can't show Jesus married with kids. But then, I thought, from what I've read, again, I haven't seen it, that the whole point was, he was imagining that, and then the last thing you see in the movie is that he does die on the cross. Like, it's the last temptation oh, man, spoiler of Christ. Alert, Charity. Like, that's the idea, like... He could have done that, but he didn't. Like, I don't understand what the problem is with that because the message of the movie is, but he didn't. Like, he could have had this sweet, awesome, normal life, but he chose to die on the cross. But I feel like I must be missing something because people were real mad about that movie. (laughs) Well, they also got mad about Monty Python, Life of Brian, right? So... Oh, God, I love that movie. Which I love. <laughs> I mean, I just love Monty Python. The grammar correction. Oh, of the my green. God. I had a teddy bear named Wadwick because <laughs> I, I don't know why I had a teddy bear that year at college, but I did. And my friends kidnapped him, and so I stood under the dorm room window squirming, wee wee, Wadwick. College. College. Tuttle never got into those kind of shenanigans, though. He was a very good college he's, student. He's, yeah. 
He was, he was straight A by the book. Although druids know how to party. That's true. But he was always the he was always the sober one, you know. So if somebody had an issue or or they started praying at a at a weed, you know, he could he could steer them back the right way, you know. It's important to have friends like Tuttle in your life it because really in is. A, any situation, you need that one person who, you know, even if they're at a party having a beer, they're kind of like keeping an eye on things, and yeah, making sure like they're in charge or they're. The designated driver, the sober friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if you're not drinking, it helps to have the voice of reason in any friend group. Exactly. Well, I think we will wrap up. We do have another guest for Minute 32, but we're so grateful to Jonathan S. Tuttle for stepping in at the last minute and guesting with us today. I know you can find us online by going to mashminute.com. That has links to all our social media. It's a great place. It also has guest bios. It's just really fun. I know, Tuttle, you said you don't host any podcasts, obviously, but we're honored that you chose ours to be on. Did Tuttle tell you anything he wanted to plug in place of a podcast, Megan? I'm trying to recall. You think he... No, not for... Po- I mean, besides us, because he's just so sweet and kind like that and considerate. Aww. No, I know, right? He's such a sweet guy. He's always thinking of others. I know, and he was saying that we should go... You should check out the, you know, all the other minute-by-minute podcasts as well. We're just yeah. a fun crazy wonderful community oh and moviesbyminutes.com has everything i think that is releasing or has concluded so there's plenty there and i also think as we all remember from tuttle's time in korea he often likes to pick a pet charity that he helps take care of in that case it was saint Teresa's orphanage and he Mm. has one that he's working with now yeah he's working with racist texas which do we have a website for them we could put we could put it up sure it's www.raicestexas.org it stands for the refugee and immigrant center for education and legal services so you're going to help some kids down on the southern border that could use some loving and some help absolutely because Tuttle is all about the children and we just want to thank him for coming on and for bringing that wonderful organization to our attention if our listeners would like to come back tomorrow for minute 32 we will have more mash for you then and we'll see what the fallout is from this big fight woohoo